Oh, Jackal, fun. Uh, one more thing to throw out there. Uh, Phil did not watch Midnight Mass. I was studying Phil. for a psychology test. Phil, I'm sorry. Phil, you, you Italian wop motherfucker. <laughs> the fact okay. that, that, god damn it, this is the one, that was the one thing the we had for this week. <laughs> yeah, that was the one, you did have one. Dude, you could have joined the Midnight Midnight Mass stream that I was doing this last night. Last night, I saw that. You yeah, literally Vita liked my post. Yeah, Vita is still asleep in the Mammonberg Discord right now. She is yeah. still uh, on, the <laughs> I, I still on the voice call. Last night, yeah. uh, um, okay, all right. You know what? Fuck it. You have no idea what we'll what we'll be talking about. That that that's but we're fine. doing it. Yeah, I'm so ignoring out, that. Like, all right, minutes into the episode, so, you went to you went to the gym. You didn't want. I would, if I could, I would travel <laughs> to New Jersey. Okay, and I all right. Would, I I would throw a all pie right. in your face. God so this 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 is our cold open, and I'm just gonna say before we get started that today is officially the Midnight Mass episode. We did it, and we'll we'll talk a little more hey, about that. We However, did. we might have to record this in two segments. And we are publicly lambasting our boy Phil for choosing to go to the gym on the Saturday morning that we always record. So, Phil, you know, uh, I, I like my gym visits too, Phil, but do you know what I did? Didn't you slept in? Night. He did go last night. All right, who do we got? We got Joe Colley, the Honorable Minister Jackal, Father Dilfpire. And didn't watch. Oh, I wonder who that is. Oh, I wonder. Who, I wonder who. Okay. All right. We cannot be too mean to Phil, partially because we have a limited amount of time. So, welcome to Mammonburg, everybody. Uh, it's the Halloween special. Oh my god and we're talking about midnight mass it, you've known this was coming for a while we've needed a midnight mass episode and under finch's push it has happened and i would also like to say fuck you finch for making me rewatch this this is that was emotional abuse this show breaks me down in ways that other shows are not able to and you got me almost fucking bawling at the Joe Colley scene in the middle of my my job <laughs> I can't apologize for girl bossing Josiah Yeah so that's right we are joined today by I am uh I am Josiah and I am joined today by Finch there Hello Jackal I think I have oh, to sorry. join the Catholic. I think I have to join the anti-Catholic League now. And uh, Phil, hello. I didn't watch the show. <laughs> he didn't watch the show. He didn't return. <laughs> I didn't. That is an island. Uh, I, I want to start since I didn't. Okay. No, I didn't get to make my introduction. Return to the island of Dilfs. There we go. Okay, that's all I wanted to say. I wanna. I know that we don't have much time, but I would like to. I would like to to call attention to a specific post that that Finch made that is very appropriate for this this episode. What? 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 What post? Yeah. What, what did you know? The post. What did you? What's the you post? You know the post, Finch. What the one about like the vampire sucking blood and I didn't get it because I've lost blood super fast in a freak accident. That oh, one. Oh, that that's what that tweet was about. Sure. Yes. Yes, that's what that tweet was. <laughs> 
Christ. I want a um, vamp to drain me so hot. Me remembers the time when I lost a lot of blood in extremely short amount of time. That was, that was that was that wasn't that was me saying that I didn't get it. It's real. It's real. I know it's okay, real. Okay, losing a lot of blood gives like it, it like you have a panic instinct that like kicks in, which makes it feel really bad. I just don't get. I believe you. Like if you like if the vampire sucked enough blood out of you, your dick would go limp anyway, since like Whoa. all of it like collects there. So like we're a Christian podcast. Um... <laughs> <laughs> like how Midnight Mass is a vaguely related to Christianity. Not vaguely. <laughs> yes. Megan. Midnight Mass is one of the the most uh, I don't explicitly dealing with religion pieces of media to come out in the last couple years. Wait, wait, wait! You guys are saying um, in the that United Midnight States. Mass? It's not about a bunch of Catholics States. that work out. No, no. I'm sorry. I, I went to the gym today and I didn't watch the show. <laughs> uh, oh, we are well aware. We, we are, are well aware. We are well aware. <laughs> And so, of course, it is natural that we would deal with it. We also have one co-host I won't name who is deeply obsessed with vampires. Uh, so then it was natural that that was going to come out Her also. Name Her name Her is name Finch. Is and uh, You know, you guys really like calling me, bullying me about this stuff. You know, I'm a Catholic. I love horror. Okay. We have dead yep. bodies in our You know churches. goddamn well that's not what we're talking about. You know goddamn well that that's not what this is about. <laughs> Okay. So before we get in, what what should we do? Should we run down through the plot, or like, how, how do you guys want to? Yeah, do this? Yes. we should probably do like an intro of what the show is okay. for those. Yeah, like our like certain co-hosts here who don't know what it's about. Yeah. So Phil, I'm going to tell you about the show. Um, Yay! Let's see if I could do this off the top of my head. I believe in you. So there's a guy named Riley Flynn. He uh, accidentally kills someone during a drug driving accident. He goes to jail for several years. He returns to his hometown afterwards, which is a small Catholic island in its vaguely suggested northeast somewhere, where he uh, comes back in touch with his family, who is um, varying degrees of disappointed in him, angry with him, or, you know, wanting to welcome him back. Um, as time goes on, he has admitted to his family that he is an atheist, and we are introduced to all the different characters on the island that I'm not going to go through because we will get to them probably throughout this conversation. Um, at the same time, a uh, the pastor of or the the pr uh, priest of the the small Catholic church there has left and has been out for a few weeks, months, something like that, on a trip to the Holy Land. Um, in that time, a new, he, he, he was supposed to return, but instead a young man has returned. Uh, this young man is father Paul. Um, he comes back, he kind of rev spiritually revives the community in a lot of ways. He is a good priest that invigorates the, you know, kind of complacent, not really attending church folks, but, oh, lo and behold, this guy has got a dark secret that slowly starts to come out. And that would be that he is uh, he is a vampire and that well, this is not actually Father Paul, but uh, Monsignor Pruitt, the old priest who has uh, been been, you know, revived and made young again by a vampire. And he dragged the vampire back to the island, believing it is an angel of God um, as this heats up. 
he eventually leads into this horrible, uh, debaucherous murder party <laughs> at the end of it, and this religious revival um, spirals out of control and everybody dies. There's way more details than that, but like that is the general structure of what happens. Um, there's a lot of characters, too, that we got to get into, but... I don't know. Does anybody want to fill in from what I said there? Because that was me just doing that off the top of my head. I think you got it. I think you got it. Okay. All right. There is another aspect is that there's a huge amount of interpersonal conflicts between the vast array of characters that we're presented with. Uh, They all have this extremely intricate and annoying, extremely annoying web of relationships with one another uh it's a small town on an island off the coast of the mainland so everyone who's there is intimately aware of everyone's dirty laundry and tragedies which Mm -hmm. makes it that they know how to twist the knife for whomever they do not particularly like yes so small town bullshit small town bullshit um i almost kind of think we should go by character now that i'm thinking about it do you yeah. guys kind of want to do that? I yeah, think that's probably the best way to do it. it. Might be better, yeah, because there's just a, yeah. it's a lot. It kind of goes like in in relationship to also spoilers. We're going to be talking we, a, a huge amount of spoilers of this in this uh, yeah. in this episode. So if you haven't listened to it, except Phil, you don't have a choice. You have to be here. Uh, uh, <laughs> well, we'll skip this episode. Midnight Mass, uh, definitely a show I've watched and haven't read the Wikipedia page for. <laughs> I binged the show watched... in two days. I... Yeah. <laughs> in, you watched the, it a like, year ago. Week... Did I watch it a year ago? Yes, and you told me, because we had you means test it, and you said, oh, I don't know, it was okay, I guess. That's oh, what you shit. said. <laughs> anyway, all right. Uh, let's do this character let's... by character because it, it does go like in a it does go character in a way. sort of character by character structure. Yes. So first, uh, I, with... I found the first character is a humble chemistry teacher known as Walter Hartwell White. Okay, all right, <laughs> no, 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 this is no. not the Breaking Bad episode. How do you guess my Halloween costume, Finn? Okay, okay, um, but for real, I, I think I think we we should probably either start with Riley or Paul. Okay, Father Paul, Riley. Those are the I center. Riley. I many, fucking... many, many opinions about that dipshit. <laughs> Both of these dipshits. Okay. 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 Uh, the, I will, the, I will... the one, the one priest who can't keep it in his pants so much that he has to become a fucking vampire and okay. kill God listen, knows how many people. Listen, we'll, we'll get listen, to that. I have some jackal, serious jackal, beef. Jackal, and the, and the whack, and the whack, the the the, I, I, the, the, the white women silence like minorities. It is within <laughs> your DNA, Fitch. <laughs> I mean, there's some diamonds in the rough. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Why did I die? My body stops functioning. Shut down. All at once or gradually. My breathing stops, my heart stops beating. Clinical death. And a bit later, like five whole minutes later, my brain cells start dying. But in the meantime, in between, maybe my brain releases a flood of DMT. It's a psychedelic drug released when we dream, so I dream. 
I dream bigger than I have ever dreamed before because it's all of it. Just the last dump of DMT all at once and my neurons are firing and I'm seeing this firework display of memories and imagination and I am just tripping. I'm <laughs> really tripping balls because my mind's rifling through the memories, you know, long and short term and the dreams mixed with the memories and it's a curtain call. Well, Riley is kind of the protagonist of the show. It is also director Mike Flanagan's kind of self-insert. Mike Flanagan himself is an atheist um, and very proud of that fact. And so uh, Riley gets some really obnoxious monologues. Yay, I love obnoxious atheist monologues. I love. Hey, hey Mike it. Flanagan, why aren't you embracing dialectical materialism? It seems like you have That's an amount right. of faith in a man-made structure that has oppressed more people in one century than most world religions have put together in the entirety of human history. Yeah, so, okay, so let's let's cover that. There's a detail about... Oh, sorry, go ahead, Jackal. Uh, uh, yeah, so a key detail about Riley that uh, is important to bring up and the show itself doesn't really bring it up as much. Uh, so mm, Riley comes up like twice. Twice. Um, Riley was uh, he was in prison for about four years. He's on parole right now for killing a young girl in a drunk driving accident, uh, mm-hmm. which is kind of an impetus that caused him to to begin his journey of losing his faith in prison. And what he was while he was free before those four years and then subsequently coming back to the island was a venture fucking capitalist. Listen, that's what like makes me lose sympathy with Riley because mm-hmm. like he never, and like you brought up a good point before we started Jackal is like, he never addresses that venture capitalist side of it. Yeah. And he was so already so okay I mean. with being immoral. What, you know, what's well. And the, the reason is because a lot of his criticisms, like they, they, they are interesting criticisms until you have that knowledge of his background. So like, um, what, what ends up going on, he's, he's got, uh, he's got mandated, he's, he's mandated to go to AA while he's on parole. Right. Mm. And she, that is a, and, a thing about that where like, oh, I, I believe in RR. Yes. Well, we'll get to that. And, uh, you know, Monsignor, Pru- or so he's not Monsignor Pruitt yet. We don't know this, but Father Paul, um, decides to set up an AA for him on the island. Um, which is, you know, like one of the early acts of when we get to Paul, I have a lot of thoughts on him, but one of the early acts of him trying to be nice and seems like a good pastor, you know, he sets up this little AA so he doesn't have to, you know, take a ferry to the mainland for AA, but it is just him and Riley. So it turns into these conversations between an atheist and a priest. And there is one specific monologue he goes on about how the Catholic church sucks money from small towns. Um, and that is the case in specifically in this small town. There is an oil tanker that exploded near the town at one point, and the settlement money that they all received from losing a bunch of their livelihood ended up kind of just getting funneled to the church to make a rec center. And so, yeah, like he's totally right that this is like this is a problem in this church, right? Like the you know they're, they're the church is pressuring people to suck their money into something that is not actually benefiting the community at all. And so he talks about the Catholic church being this little tick that sucks out different, like the the money from different towns. That's great. But you're a venture capitalist, my guy. (laughs) I mean, we want to talk about parasites. Uh, That's what was, what, what term did you use to describe 
What comparison did you use to describe him, Jackal? Ringworm. If, <laughs> if, if, if the Catholic Church is a tick, then venture capitalists are the fucking ringworm to the human race. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, that's, yeah, and that's what, why, like, his criticism lost. You know, no, no, like, no, I let me, this... I want to amend that. I want to amend that quickly. They're not just the ringworm. They're the fucking guinea worm. <laughs> That's true, but like uh, that's where he lost me because I'm like, okay, so what is your line of thinking here? Is that you're being just as evil as the as the Catholic Church and sucking and like sucking out money mm-hmm. and and swindling poor people? But at least you're honest about it. At least you're honest yeah. that you're being openly evil about it. Like, yeah. <sighs> However, I will say, like, I think his conversations with um, with Father Paul are some of the most compelling. Um, interesting parts of the show because I, I think the back and forth the two go on is like I get sucked into those conversations. I mean, if he wasn't well. so insufferable, I'd agree with you. Well, just, like, I, I think it, like he is insufferable, but I mean, I'm talking more on an artistic level. I'm not talking about Riley, how I feel about Riley the character. I'm saying like the show is at its best. It, I think when you have like, these these religious debates going on, it's just like people. it's like my issue is not Riley being an atheist. It's the fact that like. He kind of just doesn't have a platform to stand on. If he was like a Peace Corps activist or something like that, and he Mm -hmm. saw like the horrors of war and what humans are capable of, and he came back and started drinking and stuff like, I just feel Mm -hmm. like that would have been a lot better of a arc for him. Sure. Rather than where he is, where he was just an alcoholic because he was an alcoholic. And, you know, that was probably a culture that was developed in the venture capitalist startup that he was a part of it's like i i think if he reckoned like reckoned with that that yeah no you're a parasite and i'm a parasite too like if there was something where Mm -hmm. he dealt with this facet of himself that there is like yeah no i was not just the the drinking was not the only bad thing about my life before I went to prison. It was because of this. I see where I was complicit in this system that fundamentally is harmful to people. I believe you're a part of that system too, but I am too, like, we're both a part of that system. As as I said, if he had said, even a throwaway line like, yeah, I did it too, but at least I'm honest about it. At least I know I'm doing it for myself. It would have solved a lot uh... of issues that I have with, with, Mm. with Riley's character. Yeah. Yeah. Well, from an outside... One thing I I think we should... Go ahead. What's up, Phil? Oh, I was going to say from, like, an outside critique perspective, because, you know, I haven't really watched the show. I'm just going to keep saying that. I haven't really watched the show, but my outside critique of Riley's character from, like, a a filmmaking standpoint would be that it's, it's... His atheism is just not understandable. It comes from... It seems to come from a place of, like, personal vindictiveness, and... Less of a place of, like, less of a place of rooted in coherent, like, his debates seem to be well-constructed in that he has a, he does have points, but they're completely propped up by the fact that he seems kind of mad that there is a moral structure at all given his venture capitalist, like, background. He's kind of just mad that there's, like, Mm -hmm. that Paul, like, Father Paul seems to be, like, an obviously trying to be a moral person, best he can vampire and all but he seems to become frustrated that his opposition is claiming morality and he's like 
oh, you know, I don't claim any kind of morality. I think that's dumb. And I think maybe that weaves into it. But like I said, I, I didn't watch the show. Yeah. Well, yeah, one, that, one, Riley doesn't have like no morale. Like that's not. He's not amoral as a character. He's just kind no, of like, no, 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 no. And I, okay, so that's why I want to do because the this this dialogue about the ticks thing is a pretty short one. I think what it spends more time with is RR that conversation, which is what you brought up, Jackal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where it's most interesting because I don't. I okay. So I, I think I think I said this off mic several times. I think Mike Flanagan um, does not realize how good of a show he produced because when you hear him talk about what he thought he was doing with the show, I'm like, that's not what you did. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, actually, you made a text that's greater than than you are. I think because because full of cards. Like, I do think Midnight Mass is really good. I have some problems with it, but I do think it's really good. Um, but like Riley's character is compelling to me because he is so desperately trying to make the world make sense when he no longer holds the things that used to make the world make sense. So going back to RR, I think that this this chunk of like how he thinks we should really do, you know, recovery, you know, as as opposed to AA is actually really bad. It's a really bad worldview because what he tries to do is uh isolate what is it you isolate the part of your brain that tells you to drink and you treat that as an alien force that's not part of you and then you try yeah. to like rationally and that's not true like I, no, i'm much not. more like, of a holistic not... person like that is you like <laughs> yeah like it also to me it seemed like a very easy cop-out of negating that no this is that is you you it it seems like a very uh convenient way of avoiding your personal responsibility of your addiction while sort of making it this sort of pariah figure internally instead of reconciling with no that is a part of you it's a part of you that you have to struggle with that you have to deal with that it is that that's an inherent Mm -hmm. responsibility that you have when dealing with this addiction but instead, mm-hmm. like he's trying to like it, it came off so goddamn try hard and holier than thou. When he's wrong, like that is like that feels like someone who is trying to like. I don't think that Riley has such a well constructed worldview that he tries to present in the show. I think he's trying to find something that yes. gives him that foundation that his faith did before, and he's looking for that. And he's trying to give off this this sense that it's. That he has it, that he has this strong moral, like not just like a moral foundation, but like a a cosmological foundation of how to look at the world. Because there is a there's a conversation where he he has with Aaron about like what happens after you die, which also ties into that. Where I don't, I think that he's he's these things that he's saying is mostly for himself. Exactly, because mm-hmm. I think that. Um... I think that he has lost the worldview that used to provide um, redemption and he doesn't have anything for redemption. So there's a few options. And one of those is the the thing he's leaned into with RR, which is that you separate the part of you that did the bad thing and say that that isn't me rather than what I think is the Christian message at its best, which is that, no, that is me and God still loves me and God is going to redeem me and un, you know undo and fix that part of me. Um, but he has to segment it off because then he he has to still believe he's a good person. 
But you can tell he's doubting that because one of the things is is during the monologue he gives with Aaron, which is one of my favorite parts of the show, actually. The um the two of them exchanging what they think dying is like. Um he explicitly says, I'm gonna go away, and the part of me that killed someone dies. You know, I I no longer killed someone when I die. And to me, I, my takeaway from that is I'm amazed that Mike Flanagan put something like that in it and thinks that his takeaway is like, wow, atheism is such a good worldview. Because to me, there's so much deep denial built into his worldview. If you notice, yeah. like, you notice how long he goes on that monologue versus how, like, Aaron's monologue on what mm-hmm. they think happens when you die. Like, he goes into so much fucking detail. And... At least for me, a telltale aspect when someone is talking more for themselves than for whom they're speaking to, when you're going to that tremendous amount of detail, you're trying to like you're trying to assuage yourself of any doubts about what you believe versus trying to convince or relay. Because he you could like he could have just said, like, yeah, no, like I don't believe that there's anything that, you know, happens afterward. But I think that when when you die, like there's your consciousness kind of goes into this state of peace, like in between, like that is the afterlife for me. That little like five minute period as my, my, my last synapses sort of stop and I'm flooded with, with the these chemicals. DMT. Yeah. With, I'm yeah. flooded with DMT. I'm, I'm okay. Like any other person, I know many, many atheists who that is their worldview. If they don't go on a fucking soliloquy, like how Riley does. Yeah. Anyway, he uh, he 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 uh, he explodes from sunlight at the end. <laughs> I feel like that's it's just like Walt, <laughs> it's like it's like Jekyll and I have this fucking Walt Junior kind of at the end of Breaking Bad. Don't why don't you fucking die already? Why don't you fucking die, Riley? Yeah. He does die, thankfully, in, uh, in episode I, five. He he. So he becomes of it the uh, uh, a character that we haven't talked about yet. That uh. The, that dipshit Father Paul um, oh, well, and his uh, listen. There's some his, diamonds uh, in the rough. And his his Nosferatu his Nosferatu knockoff angel quote unquote vampire elder from Damascus uh, mm-hmm. infects Riley. He becomes a vampire. Riley fucking explodes in front of Aaron because he's a fucking asshole who decided to traumatize this poor woman who just went through a miscarriage. That's yeah. great. I love when, like, a shitty character makes everything worse by being a dickhead. I, you know what? I'm going to defend that decision, though. I don't think she would have, I don't think she would have tried to, like, actually start reacting to the situation the way she did if that hadn't happened. Yeah. I don't think Uzziah, she would She him. went to the mainland and there was no evidence that she was pregnant. Something I mean, yeah. fucking weird was already going on. Yeah. Yeah, but she, but she didn't, like, I don't know. She wasn't. She didn't believe his story Who until would? he burst into exactly until you burst into flames, <laughs> right? But one thing I wanted to throw in there that I thought that I had had this second watch um, is Riley's a really interesting character because so much of this is about so much of this this story is about the kind of like Christian enchantment of the world, right? Right. Catholic enchantment of the world, and. You know, as we get into, um, and we'll get into deeper with Father Paul, um, a lot of the story is subverting Christianity, and and that's why that's where the horror I think for religious people who watch it really gets unsettling. So, um, they they poison essentially poison the uh, the the blood 
the the wine in Eucharist with um they they put vampire blood in it so everybody who's drinking it is is becoming vampires so it's like oh you see this like oh it's killing you and there's like there's this evil bit built into the Eucharist it's like there's all these subversions of Christian enchantment that that make it so unsettling one thing I like about the way that Riley dies as a fucked up continuation of the the inversion of enchantment is he has tried to enchant atheist death through this whole thing he's talked about how we're stardust you know you know this stuff the the um you know oh dying is going to be the release of dmt he's like kind of trying to make this beautiful poeticness out of the atheistic worldview but he bursts into flames right he gets incinerated and because of that he doesn't actually get that DMT release. That monologue that happens doesn't occur to him. And I don't know if Mike Flanagan did this intentionally or not, but that that's really interesting to me, that the vampire curse has has even fucked up his attempt at an atheist enchantment. It even bastardizes that. Well, it almost yeah. reminds me like the fact that he bursts I don't know into Flanagan's flames at the end. But... Well, the fact that he bursts into flames at the end, uh, he also uh, is subjugated to the hell he tried to avoid with that atheist kind of like the judgment that was due to him. Maybe. Well, the whole town gets to eventually burst into flames too. And it's, it is, there's kind of a, a way of like a Hallelujah. wrath of God kind of shit too. Hallelujah. Yeah. That, that town should have been turned to salt. Like from the get You know, the, the, you know what happened uh, to Sodom and Gomorrah? That should have happened to this, to this town. <laughs> You know the the book of jo- the in, in Joshua? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that should have happened here. And the walls come a tumbling down. Uh, I mean, they yeah. do. To Paul? But like a lot of innocent people die. Yeah, let's talk about the. Talk about Paul. Pain, 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 pain. Yes. And then the fear was drained from his body. Drained from his body is all of it. Fear, pain, strain, strain. Look, look, we noticed some diamonds. Okay, as I said, no, in, he's in not Father a diamond. Paul's there defense, are so many others that you could sib for. Right, but listen, listen, listen. In his defense, all right, he okay, genuinely me, thought he was this. doing a good thing. No, okay. he did it. No, yes, no, this was all about yes, this is all about a woman. This is no, all no, no, about this, him. It was not all about guilty. a woman. It was not all about a woman. Okay, I, I do think he believed that, that like God was giving him something. You could say that it was like there was some selfishness there, but I think he was. I I I, I, I do think he genuinely you, believed he, what he, what he was doing. I want you to think back to bucket list. Just talk. Okay, who wants to describe Father Paul's character? Um, not Finch. <laughs> Well, I feel like I'm hogging it a bit too much, but I could give the I can give the rundown if no, you guys fine, want. Fine, fine. Finch, just... Finch, explain, explain your yeah. your woo woo. <laughs> no, 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 no. Let let Josiah be the neutral party here, since you know. Okay. I, I'm sure I, I, well, I have neutral party here. I yeah, Josiah. actually, well, I'm not I'm not neutral, but I'm conflicted about him. So I guess you that's are. Close. You have more kind um, opinions about him than I do. Yeah. Yeah. So, fa- so Father Paul, uh, who eventually we find out is Monsignor Pruitt, his his kind of arc is he comes in, he kind of heals the the town in different ways. So he works with Riley, he works with uh, Joe Colley, who we haven't gotten into yet, but he's probably my favorite character in this. 
all that. But he is, as we mentioned, he's putting the vampire blood in the Eucharist. And so one thing about becoming a vampire is it makes you younger and it heals you. So he starts to eventually cause miracles to occur. So um, another one of my favorite characters, Lisa, is a, a uh, girl who is in a wheelchair um, because she was shot uh, by Joe Colley. Um And he essentially brings her, he heals her. Because uh, he realizes that the vampire thing has worked on her enough that in, during Eucharist at some point, he stands up on some stairs and tells her to come to him. And then she gets out of the wheelchair and everybody's like, oh, my God, a miracle happened. He is also doing private sessions with a woman that we haven't gotten into. What's what's her name? Where he's giving her Eucharist. This this old dementiated uh, woman who is living in the up or living with the doctor in town. Um, who we find out eventually he had had a love affair with um, back in his like 20s. And he is doing special Eucharist with her, which seems like a really nice thing initially, um, but it is to bring her back to being young again. Until you so find out why he's together. doing it. Yes, you find exactly. Out why. No, it's, you know, it's so I'm, he's in he's, his defense. <laughs> in Father no. Paul's defense. No, let me, no, 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 no. no, no. no. In Father Paul's defense, I do think he genuinely believed what he was doing. I, I do think mm-hmm. he think, think, thought it was God. I do. I don't think he was... You look at Nosferatu, you think that's God? Listen, you know, he was like, oh, this is a thing I'm scared of. It must be an angel, all right? In the, in, listen, he's a little slow, what but he's got the spirit. Rube. He's a little confused, well, but he's got the spirit. What okay? a fucking rude. So, so let's, 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 okay, before we get into that. So, problem is that let, me, like, let me finish, let me finish the character. I've not finished this character yet. So yeah, so he, he, that's the two miracles of the town in the beginning is the, the uh, Lisa and then the, uh, I keep forgetting her name, becoming young again. Um, and so, yeah, he eventually <laughs> uh, has, has he's brought this vampire. Um, at one point, he he starts uh, lying to people. By the, um, by the way, he just kills Midrid, Midrid, Midrid. Okay, Midrid, and he uh, he helps the young, the local alcoholic Jill Colley, who is the one who, while in a drunken drunkenly accidentally shot Lisa, um, and has lived as a town pariah because he is a drunk who has. Uh, cripples a young girl in town. Um, he eventually uses Riley to get Joe Colley to start going to AA. Um, he is really like, you see Joe Colley changing and becoming a good person. And then he has one of the most horrifying scenes to me, ends up killing Joe Colley and drinking his blood. Yeah. And... <laughs> mm. Listen, in, in his defense... <laughs> no. Objective, uh, objectively, this is indefensible. It is indefensible, and also uh, 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 why I, yeah. I think that this... the the series is at its best as a in a part a metaphor for abuse in the church because this scene it just it has a weird sexualness to it too. And it's just it's a gross scene. Um, that it really that it disturbs me. Like really deeply. I'm not gonna lie. I saw like people on Tumblr immensely horny during that scene. I will. So I will. I will give you that because it's just like the sucking, and they're like, imagine. (laughs) You're gonna have to believe this. You're gonna have to believe this. this. Imagine Father Paul. (laughs) 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 It's it's one of the most one of the most vile scenes because 
you know, Joe Colley has never like looked gone to church basically in years right. now. He's finally built up the ability to believe that he can actually change. And it's a really, really heartbreaking period of him like being like, I I have potential to be a new person. Yeah. And then he, he visits he the to... and then he fucks it he, up. Yeah. He, Okay, okay, fair. I will not defend it, it, Father Paul for like, that. Joe and comes it, and again, the, the weird sexualness to it, too, is like, you know, he gives uh, he gives Paul a hug, and then Paul doesn't let go. And I, I should say him. that Paul, Paul is the one who uh, instigates the it's, hug. Yeah. Paul is the one who instigates the hug, and he, ju- he doesn't, he just keeps holding. Like, there's something so uncomfortable the moment that, There's like, a betrayal to it. And yeah. Like, yeah, like, and then, like, he oh. has to watch without doing anything as Paul violates him in a way that is just so inhuman as he just starts to eat mm-hmm. his head through God. Yeah, it's 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 brutal. So anyway, so at this point is when the darkness of Paul starts to really start coming out. And so um eventually he he lies to Riley about the reason that Joe Colley is not at AA anymore. He says that he's off on the mainland visiting his sister, but Riley knows that Joe Colley's sister's dead. And that's not true. Right. So he comes back to the rec center to ask Father Paul why what he meant by that. And when he comes back, the vampire, the like demon vampire, is with Father Paul, and Riley gets turned into a vampire. And that's just when the show, I think, goes off the rails. It just really fucking with me because you see just this, I don't know, just this betrayal of this really beautiful character the priest had been up until the Joe Colley instance and then this. Um, And at this point, we see that like Bev, um, who we haven't gotten into yet, but all of the church people have just lock and stepped bought into this entire thing. And... Yeah, they've, they've covered up like, Joe Colley's murder. There's a midnight they've... procession, a torchlit procession, going through the town, which I, l- let me say that as someone who would be like a, non, a non-Catholic, non non-white person living on this island, I would try to swim. I think that would have been my best bet. <laughs> Just swim away. <laughs> All right, listen, you guys are build making a, this very build hard a raft. Okay. Yeah. But but we get a redemption. We get a redemption of Paul at the end, right? So then this is where okay. No, I'm being sarcastic. Father Paul is in hell where he where he belongs. He he will be one of the few cast into the lake of fire because he fucking deserves it. That impotent piece of shit that just couldn't fuck him. Fuck him. Listen, listen. In Father Paul's defense, he did feel bad about it. Okay. Yeah, that's, so that's <laughs> he that's did say he was no, sorry. but he didn't. Like he explicitly when it came to like when well, Riley he was rebe- talking but he also re- about he murdering against- because he didn't realize, and then like as soon as like Bev came in and started chastising him, he was like, "No, this isn't supposed. To- this isn't about me. It's about. It's supposed to be about God." And then he he it's tried really to like, rebel against him. Uh- he says that he doesn't like. I didn't feel bad, and that's why I know that this is coming from God. Uh- yeah. I didn't feel uh, bad about killing Joe and like violating this trust that he had built up into me as someone who of this community should be the one person that you should be able to come to in your most difficult time. I violate that trust and I don't feel bad about it. Fuck Father Paul. Yeah, for sure. And you know, because I I think that this is getting at what I I think I think that episode two through six of this show is like work of art. 
uh, like honestly the grace. I I think that the first episode's a bit weak. And I, but I despise episode seven. The but ending. listen, but listen, you guys, I, you guys are being <laughs> infernalists here. Okay, listen. Okay. <laughs> this case, I, in this case, I am, I am happily and devoutly an infernalist. Listen, <laughs> that's bullshit. I'm sorry. That's bullshit. Uh- <laughs> oh, 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 you're good. Okay. You want to start something now? Okay. Oh, oh Mr. E- I thought you were like a universalist though. Like a temporary, like you think. Except the people for Father Paul. Like, you think he's going to get. Listen. Except Father Paul. I think Father Paul deserves to be cast to the lake so- of fire. So uh, let's real quick say what happens in episode no, no, seven. No, I, I've been finished. Okay, fine, fine. Just go. But we haven't even said what he did. Okay. <laughs> so, this is so what. It, this is what. Just, just so you guys know, this is what made the two men on this po- podcast very angry. And Phil oh, was just oh, there. Oh no, no! Don't you dare! <laughs> don't you even dare! Okay, so. It is revealed that it is not just that he believes he's bringing this this second covenant or whatever, but also that he the the he was he was resurrecting this woman that he had had a love affair with in his twenties, uh, Mildred, right? Was that her name? Yeah, was Mildred. It? Yeah, Mildred. Yeah, um, and that also and that uh, Sarah um, Sarah is his daughter, the doctor of the daughter. yeah, the doctor, yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it, that's kind of revealed. And then because she, because Mildred is really, really critical of what's going on at this point, he changes his mind. And, you know, maybe he also changes it because of his conscience or something. And then he eventually rebels against the church. And then the church, Bev specifically, um, sticks by it. And it's, you know, it's a whole conflict at the end. But like, through that, like this whole... At the end... Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> no, no. Um, but that And that's kind of his redemption arc, is that he stops it. That's in the show kind of frames it that way. And that is why I don't like episode seven, because I don't think it's a sufficient redemption. I find it less sympathetic that he did it because of an old romance than I would have if he genuinely believed he was bringing about a second covenant. Okay, but like, that's (laughs) what he does, because he was like, no, because he had a sin, right? So he was trying to, there's a really good Jesuit analysis of this that I'm going to bring up right now in his defense. Okay, go for it. All right. I'm going to go all Saul Goodman on you. But continue as I do this. And I'm going to be Lalo. <laughs> Lalo time. Zero days without Jesuit tricks, let me tell you. Yeah. That is... They, the... We we need to we need to work on kicking them out of this country, man. <laughs> the Jesuits. <laughs> the, the Jesuits? That's very evangelical of you. Fuck off. I think okay. they're up to no good. Well, Father Terrence <laughs> Klein, who may or may not be a Jesuit, but he certainly wrote for America, which is a Jesuit publication. So, okay. Wait, what's it called? America. America Magazine. Wait, just called America Magazine? Yes. Yeah, it's yeah, it's it's, uh, it's it's actually a pretty good magazine. Dean Detloff. No, no, I'm not questioning. Like, I, yeah. that, just out of it. Huh? Learn something new every day. Yeah. You learn something new. Wow. All right. <laughs> so this is what he says. He said, first, I sympathize with the sin of the priest. The show's plot is launched when Monsignor John Pruitt, the longtime pastor of a parish on a small island, returns from a trip to the Holy Land with an angel, blah, blah, blah. As I get older, I find I myself am not able to get out of bed each morning without my body tormenting me as I... 
<clears throat> until it is again limber. Monsignor Pruitt is older and more disabled than I was when he, uh, when he is given, unexpectedly, the gift of eternal life in a Judean desert. I can understand why a pastor would want to share this favor with his Crockett Island congregation, which he has evidently served for almost all of his priestly life. How can I not be sympathetic when the hardest thing about being a priest is watching people suffering, knowing that you will continue to do so until your own end comes? Yet, mm -hmm. the example of Jesus remains. He is not indifferent to the suffering he encounters, and perhaps he even was tempted to stay in one spot and heal everyone who came. But the Gospels tell us he always moved on to continue his preaching. There was a... Gr Sorry, there was a greater evil in physical suffering that he had to defeat. In yielding mm -hmm. to the most medieval temptations, Monsignor Pruitt becomes a Judas priest, quote-unquote. An old tradition suggests that the disciple Judas intended to accomplish something good in handing Jesus to his enemies. Perhaps he thought he, it would compel Christ to call down his kingdom. Yet he commits the primordial sin of substituting his own will, however well-intentioned, with the will of God. Mm -hmm. Um... <clears throat> Which is why he has the turnaround and says, this has become about me and it's about God. Yeah, I, yes. I can see that. And this is really is a, a classic... good analysis of Judas, too. Like, that's a good theological point. I, I'm not sympathetic the author, to that point. Italian... But... Yeah. <laughs> Calvinist. The author in Italian. Calvinist. God, you are all... Okay. Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, the, um, there is a classic of Catholic spirituality, the spiritual combat, that, that repeatedly warns us against self-deception. Um, the author, an Italian Theatine priest named Lorenzo Scupoli, uh, wrote that distrust uh, of yourself Poli. is so... Scupoli! Mamma mia! <laughs> I, I apologize to Dove. I know you are uh, listening. Uh, probably, I'm, I'm possibly. very sorry, but like, I, I had to. I had yeah. to. <laughs> um, distrust of yourself is so necessary in the spiritual combat that without... It, you may be assured that you will never gain the desired victory, nor be able to overcome even the weakest of your passions. Mm -hmm. He tells mm -hmm. us to distrust our intellect, our inspirations, our inclinations, even our memory, because they can all be tainted by sin. Uh, this, mm -hmm. And of course, we, uh, and as the article states, the modern reader might assess that his view may be overly suspicious, even to the point of neurosis. But if one is going to follow the Holy Spirit, one must make every effort to avoid self-deception. Um, um, but is it okay if I chime in now, or are you still reading here? Oh, well, I mean, he does talk about, like, what uh, he has a t uh, Aquinas take, so I'm sure none of you want to hear that. Um, but... No. <laughs> no. <laughs> All right, but here, here's the other thing. In the show's depiction of sin, the theology of Midnight Mass is on target. Monsignor Pruitt is himself a victim of sin. He stumbles into a Judaism. Mm -hmm. Cave where evil attacks him and leads him to sin. Like the rest of us, he's predisposed to this assault. We eventually learn that he still carries an old sin, that he secretly followed a child with a woman on the island that he has always been in love with. It's a sin he is not willing to wash away. Not if, like in his youth, it can be revived. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I'm done. Okay. Because, see, I, I'm, I'm sympathetic to a lot of those arguments, too, about the way in which he is... Um... You know, he's given this chance at, at like, you know, eternal life. It's, it's you know, rebelling against death. And that is the gospel in some sense. And so I see how the religious vocabulary allows him to, like, bring this evil in because it does make some theological sense. Mm. Um, well, also because it is, as but, Aquinas states, uh, and as that article states, you know, evil often mimics 
God, which uh-huh. is what the vampire does. It exactly. Mimics. Like it like the but, vampire didn't even I don't think that did the vampire Oh shit. Got that out. Uh well, I guess you can't. Uh did the vampire even on purpose masquerade itself as an angel? No. Well, well was that maybe Paul, that's a good that's a Paul. good debate. Did Paul just sort of put that on cuz we never see the vampire. Yeah, but then the vampire uses it to his it, it, it's advantage. It's advantage. Not, like, he yes, doesn't start it. He de- like he doesn't start. That's Paul puts that on him. Okay, but why would the angel choose to resurrect Paul after he fed on him? That's that's what I want to know. Sure, sure. I mean, maybe because uh, maybe because like it, he knew that the priest could be easily deceived. Sure, I, I could I could buy that. Um, or that this is kind of just an aspect of vampire reproduction, and that it's been a yeah. while. <laughs> oh, okay. Now, who who's got the not normal the, takes here? I'm looking at this from a from a purely scientific All right, everybody, I've uh, spontaneously burst. Do not go on Tumblr, I, I, by I, the okay. way. Okay, stop real quick. I burst into flames. Ah, I was the vampire the whole time. Goodbye. I have to work. I'm sorry. Phil, Phil's got to leave. Um, he's burst into flames. All right, two things. Uh, one. I, I don't have a problem with Jesuits. I, I really like Jesuits, in fact. <laughs> Second thing. I do. Okay, <laughs> sure. However, Paul also kills a lot of people. Like, a lot of people die because of him. Directly well, it, because of are him. You saying, are you saying that there are, there is no sin that can't be forgiven by God, Jackal? Are you saying you know you're smarter God than God? Well, that is not what I'm saying. You know <laughs> damn well that's not what I'm saying. You know absolutely <laughs> well that is not what I'm saying. <laughs> What I wanted to say is that while I am sympathetic to what the article's saying, I do think that the the plot with Mildred undermines that point. Well, but at the same time, you know, <laughs> I think it's also, I, you know, it signifies Paul's unwillingness to let go of certain I, I want to, there, yes, there's one specific part where Mildred tells him that, no, Paul, I was not going to leave you, I was not going to leave my husband for you. Despite this, I did love my husband and I wasn't going to break up my family. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and he and you know, I I I become questioning his commitment to even his 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 ministry because he says, you know, I would have dropped the you know, I would have I, I would have immediately dropped out of uh the clergy had you said you wanted to be with me. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe I'm just cynical enough that I don't find that kind of like um, romantic motivation compelling to me and find it very stupid and childish. Um, maybe, maybe I'm just not as much of a romantic or whatever, <laughs> but like, I, I find that stupid. And I, I find his, I find him more sympathetic up until the last episode when it seems that he has very bad but genuine convictions. And then when he admits that even those convictions he would have abandoned. Um, if he had just gotten to to sleep with Mildred some more, we're also I just don't. <laughs> a huge, a huge facet of his personality is the fear of death. Yes, which that, is good. Like, I mean, he, that when he yeah. was a kid, yeah. that there was like his sister had polio and she died from polio, and this was something mm-hmm. that sort of spurred him on to join the priesthood of trying to figure out like why is death a part of? That's actually interesting. Like that, I would have preferred if that was like his main. It was leaned to that. <sighs> One thing that also uh, makes me really skeptical of him as a character um, that I didn't catch the first time I watched this, and it is actually one of the most brutal chunks. 
is when he's talking to Riley and he tells Riley when he's telling him that he is Monsignor Pruitt, that Riley had brought a dead rat to um, him as a kid and, and said, you know, Jesus had told you that you can resurrect the, you know, that, that he would resurrect the dead. Could you resurrect this rat? And uh, the priest said, you know, Pruitt said, I can, I'll see what I can do and spent a week looking for another rat that looked the same and then said that he brought it back to life. And, you know, he says that was good because it sustained 20 years of faith in Riley. And that's one of the most me to me sympathetic to Riley chunks, because I'm like, yeah, a priest lied to you about probably one of the most primordial young thoughts that sustained your faith. And I think that was gross. I think that was a gross thing he did. He could have take, taken this as an opportunity to explain. Talk about death. Uh, yeah. A death to a child, which is always, it's a difficult topic, but it's oh, it's an important one. And if he was more of a, if he was less of a coward, then he would have done it. <laughs> okay, fine. That's a good let's, point. Let's move on Hang from on. Father Paul. Oh, okay. Let's move on but, from but, Father Paul. But I will say, I will say, Finch, you you have you made a good defense. I know we're ganging up on you a bit, but like, yes, I, no, I do was, think that that the, that, that America article like did give me pause. So thank you for it, it challenging my view. <laughs> it gave me pause, and I do. I see where that is coming from. However, I just can't get over how much this motherfucker frustrated me. <laughs> um. How much time do we have? Uh, we um, have about 30 minutes. Okay, let's we have move not on. Even we talk, we won't be nice. Can we talk about Joe Colley and Lisa yes, in that yes. 30 minutes? Because sure. those yeah, are two of my Jokali. favorite characters. Yes, absolutely. Um, yeah. I hate you. Honesty is important, so we'll start there. I hate you, Joe Colley. <laughs> I have hated you for years. And the things I've imagined doing to you, I want you to hurt. I want you to suffer. I want you to make those noises my dad made when he put his hand over the bullet hole in my spine. I want you to beg for my forgiveness so that I can tell you no. I want you to live in complete, absolute misery. So when I say this place is just like I pictured it, what I really mean is it's just like I hoped it would be. I'm sorry. Damn right, you're sorry! You stole from me. Not just who I was, but who I could have been. You stole from me things I didn't even have yet. You reached through time, Joe Colley. You reached through time and you stole. <sighs> all of that is true. And all of that is still in here, but... That's not why I came here today. I came here today. I came here today. I forgive you. Oh. <laughs> I forgive you, Joe Colley. I love them. I love them so much. So, they are, they're also, they can go together too. Cause their, their lives are intertwined. Their, and, their lives are, are yeah. intertwined. Uh, who wants to, do you want to, or should I explain to a colleague? I've okay. been hogging it. Um, uh, so somebody else should do it. All right. Uh, Jack, you, you, you haven't gotten. 
Also, I can't sure. talk about Joe Colley without bursting into tears. So <laughs> somebody else should do it. Okay. Okay. All right. Uh, so Joe Colley and Lisa Stry, uh What's her name again? Scarborough? Uh, Scarborough. Scarborough. Lisa Scarborough. Scarborough. Lisa Scarborough. So Joe Colley is kind of, he's like the town drunk and pariah. He, uh, a character that we have not talked about, who was one of my favorite characters here, uh, Sheriff Hassan. Um, Sheriff Hassan. Yeah, that'll be a part two. Uh, kind of, we'll get into him. Th- we'll, we'll get in, into the rest in part two, including fucking Bev. Um, oh. But uh, Sheriff, like, Sheriff Hassan constantly has him in the drunk tank, which is at the back of, like, the general store, which also conveniently is where he goes. Right after sobering up, he goes to get more beer. Uh, his entire life has been a very sad sort of tragedy tied to this island and this town. It's extremely, like, he goes into about, like, a sister who was the only one who's been able to escape onto the mainland to try to have something. And it's it's like this town is, like, this permanent symbiotic, just, pe- like, not even symbiotic, like, it's a parasitic shadow that just further delves him into the darkest recesses of his addiction, which is just drinking more and more and more. And that gets exacerbated by an event where he shoots the mayor's daughter, Lisa Scarborough, in the spine, disabling her from uh, the waist down. And that is is an event that defines both of those characters' lives up until until Joe dies, when the Tumblr sexy man priest uh, fucking tears his head open. Listen... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and Lisa is one of the the only one of the two survivors of the event that occurs on the island. So, with that being said, what are our thoughts about Joe and Lisa and their story and mm-hmm. the heartbreaking sort of ups and downs and just the heartbreaking conclusion that comes from it? That is, yeah. So, and that's the point of the story is like how. Joe could have, he was on his way of trying to make, make amends for what he, like, he was already forgiven for what he did. And now he's trying to make amends and forgive himself and Mm -hmm. become a better person and fights with it. He struggles with it. Like, you, there's a scene where, like, Sheriff Hassan, like, is watching him in the general store as he's just staring down this, like, this, these beer cans. And you see, like, he's having... He's fighting for his life, trying not to drink. And that's why he goes to Father Paul, which is to come to tell him, I, like, I know you said to come to you when it was like when it got really hard, but I, 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 but I almost drank, but I didn't. I didn't do it. Um, yeah, Joe Cawley's entire um, trajectory is, is really, really the most emotionally raw, I think, for me of this. And, and Lisa, you know, as well. So... You know, one of the most, I think, important scenes is is right after Lisa um, is is revived, right? She's she's healed and she can walk again. One of the first things she does is she goes to Joe Colley's trailer and does this probably one of the best. Mo- it's 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 a monologue. It's a gut monologue that's so good. I might stick it in this episode just so you can hear it where she tells him that she hates him, but she forgives him. Um and he breaks down. It is it's 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 hard to capture it while explaining it how brutal it is because 
she, I don't know, she recounts everything that happened to her that led up to this, how the way that Joe Colley had ruined her life. Um, and then at the same time that because Jesus had forgiven Joe Colley, she also was going to forgive him. And in the hope that he has the responsibility now through this forgiveness to become something different. And, you know, I, I think Joe call the, the actor, I forget his name for Joe Colley is, is incredible in this scene because um, I, I was talking to my brother last night about this scene um, and him and I are people who are naturally bottle up our emotions a little bit. You know, we, uh, we're not super, super, whatever. It's per and the Midwest. Per the Midwest. Yes. And that's the way Joe Colley plays it is he is this hardened, angry person. And so his crying, the way the crying is played is not just like, oh, it starts crying because Lisa says he's trying not to cry and keeps like bursting every time she says a new line. And I don't know, something about the way it's acted, the monologue, the concept of it, everything. It just, that scene breaks me down. And it's also why I have a deep hatred for Father Paul by the end, because Father Paul has been able to cause through the healing of Lisa and the reaching out to, you know, and the, the results of, of healing Lisa reaching, eventually leading her, re you know, reaching out to um, Joe Colley is the most genuine depiction of what I think Christianity is about. Like I've seen on anything like it, it's it, beautiful. It's yeah, a it's very beautiful, beautiful scene. <laughs> yeah. And then it gets bastardized. <laughs> and I think that's that's why the show hurts so hard is because I, I think for those who are Christians who watch it, it gives a good feel of probably what it was like to be on the ground floor of something like Mars Hill. Um, one of those like big explosive church projects. You're seeing lives changing, you know, and then stuff just starts to come out. And you see that this entire, there's something true was communicated to you through this. And yet that truth was getting propped up by bad actors who wanted to hurt people. And that's, that's why the show hurts so bad to watch for me and why it was emotional abuse that Finch made me watch it again. <laughs> I've done my monologue. I, I think it's, a, it's, a, it's very much a Rorschach um, series because a lot of it you take you take different things out of it depending on like what your beliefs on religion mm -hmm. are and faith what faith is and stuff like that so you know mm -hmm. you'll have the horny tumbler teams being like huh father paul's hot but man thank god i'm not in religion anymore la 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 or i, I what is yeah. it thank dawkins <laughs> uh yeah and then you have other people who are like, no, no, it's way more complex than that. Blah, blah, blah. Famous unproblematic figure, Richard Dawkins. <laughs> yes, famously. Famously, very famously. Um, he never wore a shirt that said we're all Africans. Don't ask oh. his opinions about trans people, though. Don't, don't, don't ask that. <laughs> but um, no, you're totally right, though, because I, I uh, some of the more ex-evangelically, like, gone on to atheism, folks that I know, um, the, the, they found the show really compelling in a vindicating way because it captured all of the emotions of religion um, really well while then still saying this, this shit's propped up with violence. Um, mm -hmm. So yeah, it is a Rorschach. I think you're right. Which is again, why I think that uh, Mike Flanagan uh, does not realize how good of a piece of media he produced. No, I don't think he does either. <laughs> I think he's, he's too dumb for his own show. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Which is unfortunately, a, like, I like Mike Flanagan too. I 
for the most part, everything that he's made has been a batting average of yeah. pretty good to great for he's me. And probably the I best do... Netflix original director. Yeah. Oh, I absolutely. Would say. Yeah. 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 I, without a doubt, I think that he and I guess it seems Guillermo del Toro are going to be like the ones who are mm -hmm. kind of the, the best sense of quality. Sure, it could be fucking Ryan Murphy. Um, yeah. Oh, God. No. No, not Ryan Murphy. Uh, but I, I, I like. I should come clear about this. I did like the show. I just found it immensely frustrating, um, in mm -hmm. so many ways. And I think you're right. Like, I think you're right, Finch. That this show is a Rorschach test of like you are. A lot of this has to be like what you're projecting onto it. I had a mm -hmm. lot less sympathies for many of the people in this show. Very few of the yeah. people in the show. I actually right. like. Fully, Lisa's one of them. Joe Colley's the other, um, and even like the uh, what's his name, um, the Riley's younger brother, Warren. 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 Mm. Yeah, I I fell yeah. for Warren. Like, and Warren's like he's not like their first episode sort of puts out. Oh, he's like a he's a he's a bad kid. He's he goes to like smoke weed with his buddy on like a like an island off the coast. Yeah, it's very normal it's, stuff. Yeah, it is so unproblematic. He's fine. Yeah. Like he just wants to be a teenager. Uh, but everyone else in this show, for the most part, had fucking something that just rubbed me the wrong way about them in a way that I just a lot of mm -hmm. them I couldn't. The Erin's uh, the other until her weird like, no, Riley, you were right. Yeah, that was yeah monologue when she dies. You it's are, terrible. You're. I, I said this off mic. You're dealing with fucking vampires. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll get into that in part two. Since I feel like we <laughs> fucking vampires. Yeah, I, I, mean... I think I think Aaron Green will be one of our big conversation points next next part. I think because mm -hmm. she's got a lot going on too. Bev um, too. I got a lot of opinions about Bev. I yeah. yeah, but Bev Bev is an amazing character. Not as in a oh. sympathetic or whatever, but she she's a wonderful is villain. So contemptible. <laughs> <laughs> perfectly contemptible in a way that is like yeah. the way that who's the actress because I do want to mention her name because she did a wonderful job she's amazing yeah because <laughs> I hate that character so much and it is Samantha she, uh, Sloyan yeah she yes. should fucking get a she's a very good Oscar. actress yeah. she's a very <laughs> good actress in, I remember her and she was Sarah you Josiah, you just watch Hush she, uh, she was Sarah in that Oh, she the, was uh, the spoiler for Hush, the the woman that was murdered by the the killer at the start. Oh, oh. I see. Okay, yeah, yeah. Um, by the way, Hush is an interesting uh, movie to watch alongside this. It's uh, not really related to the religious stuff at all, but technically, uh, Mike Flanagan got the idea for Midnight Mass while he was directing Hush, and Hush is about a uh, a, a deaf and mute novelist who is currently working on a book that is entitled Midnight Mass. And when she's talking to uh, to some people about, um, well, signing to somebody about um, the book she wrote, uh, she's talking about the interactions of the characters Riley and Aaron. Hey, actual characters from Midnight Mass. So he was he was thinking about this for a while. You could tell it's a passion project, and I respect that quite a bit. Do you want to yep. call it there for this? Uh, this yeah, episode? let's do it. I think we're all getting tired here. We'll do okay. it. We'll do the rest of it tomorrow. All right. Tomorrow. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to part one of the midnight mass, uh, special, the Halloween special. 
Um, he has left, but Phil can be followed on Twitter at Cryptid Director. And I was joined by uh, my wonderful co-hosts here, Finch. I am Finch, and I'm very sad at the loss of Delph Island. <laughs> and where can they follow you to hear more about that? Oh, uh, they can follow me at Finchor, where these two will bully me for talking yep. about vampires. <laughs> Jack, Rightfully so. <laughs> I, I want to be clear. I am morally correct in what I do on Twitter. I, I have done nothing wrong, and that includes nothing wrong. calling Finch out. I caught you in 8K, Finch. You just don't want to You did not it. catch me in 8K. I was like, legitimately, I, I don't get what people find so hot about it. Oh, oh, I'm sure that you don't. I'm sure that you you have no idea, including the fact that you just launched a full, a full Jesuit-inspired defense of Father Paul. <laughs> Jesuit tricks. You know what? We, you know what? We're harsh on Jesuits this episode. We should watch Silence to become sympathetic with them yeah. again at some point. We, I, okay. I, Jackal, I, I have an idea. I, Jesuit you can werewolves. follow me at I yes I am I am I believe I Finch I believe you I believe you anyway uh, you can follow me at Jackal Jesse <laughs> on Twitter.com on Elon Musk Twitter.com yeah well, someday we'll do a news episode again because a lot has happened but uh, we are not getting a lot a lot week. has happened uh, make the website worse I want everyone to make it so that he wasted a fuck ton of money <laughs> yeah. Oh, I think you already did. But um, I am Josiah. You can follow me at Josiah W. Sutton on Twitter.com. And uh, uh, I this is the third week in a row. I will say there's an episode with Chris Barker of Fruitless coming out that I still haven't edited. All right. Is it, is it spooky based? It's not at all. It's about 1848. We recorded at the beginning of the month and I'm just really lazy. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Because oh, <laughs> I don't have deadlines for Fruitless like I do with Hammondberg. So. <laughs> Sit on the files. All right. Uh, we'll see you uh, pretty soon. We'll see you tomorrow. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Happy Halloween. Well, there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. Oh, there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. When that trumpet got your blast. And that it shall leave at last There ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down Well, look down yonder Gabriel See the people all dressed in white Oh, it must be the children of Israel Just walking in the light Cause there ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down Oh, there ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down When that trumpet got so black and that it shall leave at last There ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down Well, meet me, Jesus, meet me Oh, meet me in the middle of the air And if these rings should fail me Just give me another pair Cause there ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down Oh, there ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down When that trumpet got so black and that it shall leave at last There ain't no grave Gonna hold my body down I'm going down the river Gonna bear my knees in the sand Gonna holler ho ho Santa, until I reach that land Cause there ain't no grave 
gonna hold my body down. Oh, there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. Oh, and that trump of God shall back, and the dead shall leave at last. There ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. Oh, go down yonder, Gabriel, put your foot on the land and see. But don't you sound that trumpet until you hear from me, cause there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. Oh, there ain't no grave gonna hold my body down. Well, when that trump of God shall back, and the dead shall leave at last, there ain't no grave.